0: One Ryan Paris, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you doing this evening?
1: Um, not too bad, Rob. Dude, it's so great to talk to you
0: after a probably fifteen-year hiatus it, of of talking to each other. I think so. Like I've been following you on LinkedIn and Facebook, so doing the social media stalking. Um, and you're out. It's like we, you graduated. We went to the same high school, Toledo Christian. What when did you graduate? What year?
1: Yeah. It's so funny. Like for for a half second, I had to like, oh my gosh, what year did I graduate? I think it was, I think it was two thousand and three. Okay. So I guess that's about yeah, like
0: sixteen sixteen years
1: now it's been.
0: Okay, because I graduated um, in ninety eight, which makes me feel a whole lot older. Just so you know. <laughs> not not too bad, really. <laughs> right.
1: I felt like it when we when we rode the same bus. It felt like you were um, way older and way more mature, but. I think now that we're adults, it's it's not so bad. I
0: think we're I think we're probably peers. I think so. And what's weird about that is like you <laughs> watch all these guys that are younger. Like I coach basketball, so you see guys like you coach when you're you know I was in my twenties and they're in high school, and you start in or my thirties eventually, and you start then you start seeing. Oh look, they got married. Oh look, they have a family. Are they old enough to do that yet? Is that like you know and they're in their twenties <laughs> post college doing all this? You're like. Career and I see people like him. I'm like wow, he's got his own business. He's out in Philadelphia area. I go, this is incredible. Is he? Is he old enough to do this? Because I, I feel like I'm still like barely out of high school.
1: Seriously, I have no idea. I know, right? You know, no one told you you yeah, can't, right? It's, it's such an like existential experience. You know, like. You, you, you see all these other people when you're younger who are older than you, like approaching thirty or forty or, or, or whatever it is and you're like, Oh man, like you probably have kids, a big house, you know, their career is like half over. But in reality, you know, what I'm realizing is these people are just
0: thinking that they're they're starting their life. Oh yeah. No, I think of it in a like my dad was thirty when he had me and I'm pushing forty. I'm going, I'm about I'm about nine right now when my like I'd have a nine-year-old if I was the same track as my dad. I can barely feed yeah. and clothe myself. <laughs> I mean, I, can, yeah. I eat plenty. We won't, we won't
1: tell our parents this, but that's how we feel.
0: Right? I'll never, <laughs> no. I'll never admit to it in person. Never. No. Uh, my mom was like, never. I heard you said it on this podcast. I'm like, I didn't know you listened. And it was, it was a recording error. But no, it was so, what? I'm sorry, it, it was, was what? If my mom listens to this up, like it was recording error. It wasn't, it wasn't. Recording. Yeah, it was recording error. Yeah, it must have been <laughs> some static on the line or something. But no. Yeah, you didn't hear that right. So, <laughs> but now, so you, obviously, you grew up in Toledo and you found yourself in Philadelphia, owning a marketing business. How did you get there?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question, and and sometimes I have to really talk through my my memory here. Okay. Because it's it's interesting because I, it's, 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 I'm, I think I'm like in the thick of it right now, you know, um, just kind of experience it and having small, you know, kind of reflective moments as I go. Yeah. But, you know, if I, if I look at kind of what's happened in the last, you know, few years, um, my, my first passion was actually soccer. Okay. And I actually tried to tried to pursue soccer after, um, college at a professional level really and I never I never yeah that was my first passion I actually played NCAA soccer as a grad student really where at uh, that, so I played at Palm Beach Atlantic it was a d2 school okay and I played there for a year and then I decided I want to continue so I played at a semi-pro level and then I went to New Zealand and then back to Pennsylvania and I traveled all over to try to play professional I thought, you know, I'm in my late 20s. I want to be a pro. Uh, It's my one chance to do it, you know, another have another opportunity. So I went for it. And uh, come to find out, you know, like that I fell pretty much flat on my face.
0: (laughs) It's it's (laughs) professional. Anything seems to be difficult, especially athletic.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so not really having that trajectory when I was um, younger, like kind of knowing how that worked, uh, I just – said, you know, who cares? Like, I'm just going to go for this because this is what I love to do. And I don't really know what else to do right now. Um, I had been working, you know, in my career life. I, I had built up a pretty decent resume, but I said, you know what? It's my late 20s. This is like my athletic prime. I'm just going to try this. Okay. But what I, what I learned in that moment was if I'm really passionate about something, then I actually work way harder. And way more and way smarter than I would have if I would have just kind of followed a normal career path. Okay. So what, once towards the end of that, don't worry. This is leading towards okay. the marketing company. I'm,
0: I'm, ge- I'm it's <laughs> Okay. Take your time.
1: Cool. So, so I'm thinking right now, you know, in this moment, like, okay, this isn't working how I thought it would. But what I'm learning about myself is that I'm learning how to chase a passion and stick with something that I really love and I'm committed to that allow me to contribute in a way beyond just my normal capabilities if I'm passionate about it and yeah. I can actually believe in it. So once that kind of failed and crashed and burned, I started thinking, what, what's my second passion? Like how can I really contribute? You know, and I don't know if you've ever read uh, any Stephen Covey books. Are yeah. you a Stephen Covey person?
0: Uh, I, I've read some of his books. I couldn't tell you, like I read and I listen to a lot of books and it's hard for me sometimes yeah. to keep track of all of them where they're at. Because cool. isn't he the one the so, seven habits of, some, of highly yeah. effective people? <laughs> seven habits of something, yeah. Did, didn't he have a That's book about on a list? Because like that pretty much dials it in.
1: Yeah, so, so that book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, had a pretty big impact on me okay. when I read it in my 20s. And he said, you know, if you want to be a really impactful and effective person in the world, you want to find what's called your voice. And your voice is the combination of, you know, your your passions, your talents, and what the world needs. Okay. And so I was trying to kind of question that. You know, I was like, well, I knew my passion was soccer before, and I'm kind of talented at it, and I'm not sure if the world needs it, but I'm going to try it, you know? Okay. Well, once I started to really kind of find out that, you know, the world needed something um, else, you know, that's where kind of sales development and marketing came in. You know, so I knew that I'd always had some kind of role in sales development, I've always had some kind of role in, you know, an account executive or business development manager role. But I didn't realize how much the world needed it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had gotten a a job right out of college as a uh, sales development manager. So I was managing a lot of different sales, sales reps who were generating new opportunities for the business I was working for. But I come from an old school sales culture that had brought me up. And what that meant was there was a lot of negative sales techniques, old school sales sales techniques that, you know, really made people feel as though they regretted the things that they bought because there was a high pressure tactics involved. Okay. You know, and I'm sure you're familiar with that, right? What's the first kind of salesperson you think of you know, when you think of a salesperson. Hey,
0: if you don't buy this by tomorrow, the price doubles.
1: Yeah right. <laughs> yeah right. So probably like a used car salesman. Oh yeah. Or right. I mean, if, if like you don't buy it today. unbuttoned a little bit, hair slicked, missing <laughs> If you don't,
0: I got another but, guy that's interested in this car too. If you're not interested. Yeah, it only has ten thousand miles. When
1: really he like you know rolled the odometer back. <laughs> right like that kind of salesperson. And that's kind of the the type of sales managers and leaders I was raised by. And I was thinking during this time, like, man, like I really like this, but one, these people that are teaching me, I feel are, is, is not ethical. It's not right. It's not really helping people, you know? Okay. Number one. And number two with sales, it's not something that a lot of my peers also considered A respectable career a lot of my peers when I graduated college had graduated you know one is an is a software engineer at Amazon Alexa okay another one is a a senior graphic designer at LinkedIn you know like like a lot of these folks had very tech or some type of other type you know direction that they went and when I they asked me what I was doing I was like oh well I'm in sales they would be like oh okay well what happened what happened yeah I feel like
0: it's got a stigma that you kind of fell on your face a little bit.
1: Yeah, right? Like, how did you end up there?
0: Like, what didn't work
1: out? Yeah, like, what went wrong with you? And so I I feel that that's the reason, one of the reasons why I started this. It was very much about sales has a really bad image, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, everybody is moving their marketing to digital, And tech. And so is there a space for sales development that has a human element to it where people can trust you and actually want, believe and change their mind about something that they want to purchase because of the influence that you had on them?
0: Hmm. Yeah, Not, a positive influence, right? Not a slimy influence, but a positive influence. Okay, and how how do you go like uh, get that positive influence across? Because like because yeah, a lot, is a lot of your stuff like so you're saying, let me make, like in your sales approach or in your sales processes, a lot of it is phone call driven. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So so we have a team here of 25 team members based out of Philadelphia that does outsourced sales development for businesses across the nation. Okay. Um, so we develop sales messaging, we develop sales scripts, and then we have lists of potential prospects that these companies that we work for want us to reach out to and then set up uh, you know sales appointments, meetings, demos, webinars, so that our clients can then do a presentation and potentially, you know, close a deal or opportunity um, to partner with their business.
0: Okay. So with your, and you call this the superhuman prospecting, is that correct?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: The super, and so let me, I'm just trying to track and make sure I'm fine with what you guys do. So if I came in as a potential client, you guys would help develop the script, what to, how to, uh, you know, to message the, the service or widget to uh, the end user or to a customer, whether it's a business, to business, do you guys do more business to business development or business to end user? Great, great question. So business to business. Okay. So
1: we reach out to a lot of other, yeah, we're about 90% business to business currently. Good okay. Question.
0: Cause uh, so then I'm trying to think of cause then you, so and then do you guys actually then make the calls yourselves or do you sort of go, Hey Rob, we'll train you up to make the call. Better, or will you guys like sort of hold your hand through the process?
1: That's a great question. So, we started off just doing the consulting side, Mm -hmm. and that where we just train you and then you make the calls. So, we'll do consulting and then script writing, but then it's transformed into a service and then has really exploded into the service, which is superhuman prospecting today. So, yes, 90% of our business comes from the actual service of performing the cold calls, the appointment setting the sales development conversations, you know, to help accelerate our client sales process so that they can talk to more people more quickly.
0: So you're, you're almost doing the first contact to get at least warm leads to customers instead of cold, cold leads. Mm,
1: absolutely, yep. People who are familiar now with the business that we're calling for, people who are, are ready for an appointment, a date and time, and they're expecting a call from our prospects or expecting that conference link to do a screen share demo of their new tech product, their financial, you know, advisory service, um, you know, commercial roofing, whatever it might be.
0: So you're, then your guys on the inside, your team, they are probably pretty well versed on a lot of different products and services they've worked with then over, over time. Yeah. Not that they yes. have to be so- experts, but they have to know at least a good surface level of it.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So that's something that we teach to our team daily, and I think with that I would say that's our secret sauce. You know, I would say, you know, our our biggest strength is our ability to connect with people from zero to one in the sales process. So while while we work with multiple industries and we've experienced, we've probably done over 2,000 campaigns in the last couple of years, the the majority of the conversation I tell them is about 65 to 70 percent a sales type conversation and about 30 percent or so is driven from the product knowledge of the individual prospect or excuse me individual client that we're working for
0: okay now what what are the uh, objections that your team gets like like most people have their the objections like how do you overcome them what are the objections like the in general that your team has to overcome
1: yeah that's that's a really good one so a lot of times the big confusion between sales development which what is what we do versus what an account executive does or a sales presentation um, actually provides is that we provide the initial stage, which allows us to spark interest, mm-hmm. and then and then sell them on the next step, right? Okay. So we're not always we're not always going through the whole product presentation and delivering, you know, case studies and certain scenarios. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is we're providing enough information you know a, a, maybe a, a quick benefit or feature or pain addressing a pain point the prospect might feel mm-hmm. and then selling them on that next step so a lot of the objections that we come across um have to do with let's just say price right yeah. so someone might say well what does something like this cost you know and we'll say oh that's a completely gr- that's a great question and actually that's exactly the reason why i'm calling you know the whole reason i'm calling is just to see um, you know, if, if it would make sense for us to set up an appointment with, you know, our managing partner, our owner, our expert, Rob, to see if this is something that would work for you
0: and discuss price a little bit more in depth, you know, how's next Wednesday at three. So you're, and that way we're, your sales, yeah. your sales, the next step, not the closing of the deal. Yes. Yes. That make, That's correct. That makes a lot more sense. Cause when I was looking at what you're doing, I was like, that is a lot of product knowledge these guys have to have.
1: <laughs> yeah and that's that's a major that's a major objection that we come across in when we're trying to actually bring on board new prospect or new clients for our business who are looking for you know they're looking to us to do their prospecting is they say, oh, Well will you also close the deal? Well, I would love to rob like one day like I would love to have like a whole full stack sales sales closing company, but right now you know it's even difficult and, and challenging just to do the sales development conversation to just set meetings up
0: no yeah so you've been doing this so. now for four years with the human pro- superhuman prospecting
1: so it started at paris marketing so it i really just was a it's a consulting company okay um i started in early 2015 and then i did that for two years where i was kind of decided to figuring out what we were okay you know like were we a consulting company did we do script writing were we you know, mostly just doing trainings, and then it, we started to do some projects. We we're actually provo- providing the service. So in in 2017, in January, we first started doing, ser- You know, this uh, calling as a service. Okay. And we had three people in early 2017, and since then we've grown to I think 23 now. That's great. And yeah, and the rebranded in in March. The call services side as superhuman prospecting.
0: Okay, so with with people like with all the whole robocall thing going on, hmm. and is and with people and technology, people don't want to at least answer their phone as much as they used to. At least, I mean, the the whole joke thing is like when you and I were growing up, it's like you'd answer the phone because you'd be curious on who it is. But now, yeah, right. And it wouldn't matter. It's like you know, you'd be like maybe you wouldn't answer because your parents weren't home and you didn't want to. But now it's like, now the phone rings, you don't know who the number is like, "Mm, I'm going to send that to voicemail and see if they leave a message. (laughs) True. And so how, how do, how do you overcome that? Is that just a a numbers game or since you're calling on businesses, they're more likely to answer? That's a good question. So actually, um, a lot of times for calling
1: homeowners, I I don't know the, the data, the hard data on calling consumers Mm -hmm. as we, as we label them. But I do know the hard data on calling business owners and, and business people. And I would say that it's a misconception that people don't pick up the phone anymore. Um, Actually we've seen a rate of about one in every, I would say 10 to 12 dials Mm -hmm. turns into a a conversation and some industries it's even better than that and some industries it's a little bit worse than that so it's very industry dependent so around ten percent yeah about one in every ten dials you'll actually reach a decision maker and about once in every you know three or four calls you'll probably reach a secretary or a gatekeeper as we say yeah so you're talking to humans way more than what people are thinking is successful. Um, and it's all about the st- strategy and your ability to navigate those conversations to, you know, in order to make it a successful
0: call. Huh. So, yeah, so, the, I mean, obviously you're calling business, business or probably when you call are expecting you to be a customer, but you're trying to pitch them on an idea. Do you get a lot, I mean, I'm if you get if you have hundred calls, how many of them do you usually set in? I guess you don't have to give me the numbers. I was curious how many you actually get the appointment with. I guess it depends on the industry. Yeah, it does. It's it's
1: very industry dependent. I mean, I'll tell you this: you're in Colorado right now. Yeah. Um, we just worked for a CBD company who sells um, natural, you know, CBD products that yeah. are grown in Pennsylvania, and we were able to call, you know, natural whole food stores and obtain a 33, plus 30% appointment setting rate on the number of people that we called. Wow. That's, yeah. That's pretty a impressive.
0: 30% appointment setting rate. Jeez. So, if you, so when you, uh, what would you tell someone looking to get into the sales world? Because I think it was on your LinkedIn page maybe I saw, where it was like, like only 3% of colleges only have like a sales degree. I think I was.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Less than three percent of colleges in the United States actually have a bachelor's of professional sales.
0: So then, what, what would you tell someone when they're say either getting into or falling into the sales world? What would you, how would you advise someone like that? What would you tell them to look yes. for? Keep out.
1: Absolutely. So you know, oddly enough, Rob, you'll never guess one of the leading professional sales organizations or colleges in the United States. You know, can you guess, can you guess which, which college has one of the leading professional sales? Uh,
0: programs? Yeah, programs. Yeah. Uh, I can make a joke about it with saying Ohio State and their football program.
1: <laughs> uh, close. Just move a little north, maybe closer to home. <laughs> oh, yeah, Toledo? No way. Toledo. University of Toledo has one of the leading sales professional programs in the United States and uh I'm actually considering going to their they actually have a master of sales currently really leadership yeah
0: huh so I, what I'd be curious what they teach in that because it's like in the at a college level like with the like you were talking even earlier like with like the with the the moral, the ethical side of sales like what do you teach in school that way because mm. schools are traditionally subjective on morality or ethics so then when, mm. when it comes now to sales, when it benefits you to close the deal, obviously, whether commission or business, however you want to put it, it's like what's the sc- – because my my big thought is when schools are teaching, you know, evolutionary – not theolo- like theology, if you want to call it that, like, you know, survival of the fittest, if it helps you do it, it in that sense. And then when you see all these, like, the Enrons pop up and – people making selfish business decisions, it makes sense because mm. that's what they're mm. taught in school. So when you go, if they're teaching mm. sales in school, like what are they going? Hey, where do you draw the ethical line at?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so I, I would say that I don't know enough about these programs to, to speak to their ethical stance on how they approach uh, you know, sales ethics. Yeah. But what I, what I would say is that I have spoken with the leadership team at university of Toledo. I've spoken to the director and then the, the director of the program. And then also I forgot the, the college words, but yeah, it's okay. You know, someone else. I, 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 I barely mean it uh, to
0: college. So it's okay.
1: Yeah. Right. So someone else there as well. And they, they, they were, they, they seemed like great people. They seemed very, um, you know, much about the education of sales process, DRMs, they even have a role play room huh. that, that looks like kind of, it's more of a lab, a sales lab huh. that allows you to, yeah, have like kind of a, as you would with maybe, you know, the uh, psychologist or psychology department have kind of a, a one way or two way mirror oh, okay. so that, you know, professors could observe, um, sales presentations. So I know that they're very sophisticated in the way that they teach their their students, but um, I don't know if I can speak to, you know, how they operate as far as, you know, wh- what draws the line, right? Yeah. When,
0: I think we've all had a sale where, where we could have closed it or pushed it more, but we knew it wasn't a, the right fit. Amen. And so it's like there's that point Absolutely. where you go, This, you know, where, you know, you may be ready to, you know, give me your credit card number and ready to go. And I'm just going, I know I'm taking his last dollar if I do this and it's for something that's (laughs) not going to give him any more dollars back or, you know,
1: absolutely. And, And I, and I'm, I'm with you. I think that there is a, there's certainly a line that, that, you know, salespeople need to be aware of when they're speaking with, you know, prospects, because there is that, you know, that pressure there because they're trying to hit their goals. Yeah. But there's also the the customer and ultimately the salesperson is, is serving is a servant. Yeah. Is really what they are. They're, they're trying to serve their client. And so if you're not, if you're, if you're controlling them or you're um, swindling them, or if you're strong arming them, then at the end of the day, they're not, they're not going to, they're going to regret that decision which ultimately looks bad on you mm-hmm. and ultimately gives you a bad name, which ultimately doesn't give you more sales leads, which ultimately doesn't help your business and pay you and um, doesn't go in a positive direction
0: for anyone. True. Now, have you ever done, now that I did it in my early days, my, one of my first sales experience, do you ever have to do door-to-door sales?
1: Um, that's a great question, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's how we start. Actually, that's how I got my first client with, uh, as I started with Paris Marketing. Really, um, first four, were door to door.
0: Really, but you're door to door business. You're knocking on businesses' doors. Door to...
1: Yes, yes. Now I've done B to C door to door. Okay. Sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Either way, either way. Yes.
0: Yeah, because my one of my first experiences. You might appreciate this. I was in North Carolina at the time. And okay. it was not the great part of town, and I was selling okay. uh, security systems door to door.
1: I've heard of that. Yes, it's
0: not a pleasant job. I mean, if someone there's people that are really good at it, but it's like you're basically prying on people's fear, you know, basically saying, "Hey, there's been some issues in the area, and we, so we decided to come out." Blah 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 blah. But you learn the you learn the uh, the the spiel pretty good, and I'm talking to this guy, and he goes. He goes, oh that's all good and great, but uh he's like, I have the, the Second Amendment security system. And I was like <laughs> and I was like that's Oh wow. I was like that. and at that point you're like, oh really, that's great. Um <laughs> and so and so I don't know why so, I yeah, thought will just go ahead and turn around. Right. Well so yeah. I'm like I'm not done yet. I'm gonna keep trying. Let's see if see how far nice. I push this. And so I ask him, I go, well I go, that's all good and great. I go, but sometimes you're not home or Even if it's at night and something happens with your system combined with my system, you'll at least know where to point. Ah, wow. That's great. (laughs) He laughed pretty good like because I knew at that point he wasn't going to be a buyer anyway. But I was like, how close can I get it? What can I do? And he laughed. He shook my hand. He's like, that's really great. He's like, I'm just not that interested. I'm like, that's fine. I just... Uh, (laughs) do you mind if i use this for my podcast in 10 years though right yeah no absolutely yeah right i'm really just doing this to build material up that's all i'm doing
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's that's a that's a great response so right and that's like that's the job of us of us sales people right is to is to identify kind of be extremely aware of where that person is you know in in the process and then being able to kind of cater to that regardless of if it's a no for right now, or or a yes for right now.
0: Yeah, no, that yes, yes, no, maybe that whole setup. So, <laughs> that's you, so cool. Going back to your soccer background and getting into, did you think that it, did that slow your career path down at all?
1: That's a that's um that's a great question. I, I like that question. I no, I think it accelerated it. Really? Yes. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Why do you, I well, I don't Why do you say it? Yeah. What what's that? Why do you why do you say it accelerated your career? Yeah, because I you know, I I think that
1: when you have the opportunity as you're developing to first understand, you know, who you who you are as a person, you mm-hmm. know, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, you know, what do you like to do? What do you not like to do? It allows you to be more free in your ability to make, make decisions that not only make you happy or more peaceful or, you know, more loving, but it also allows you to contribute, you know, more. And hmm. I, I, think, I think of my background in growing up in Christian school as, you know, allowing your cup to overflow and i think of that example a lot you know where you can't let your light shine or let yourself let your cup overflow unless you have something to give because that overflowing is is a gift to everybody else around you it's a contribution where you're not expecting anything back so when i when i would play soccer as much as it wasn't really it's not like i was you know building bathrooms or you know helping people in africa who mm-hmm. are in need it, it was something that was I knew that I, I really loved for myself. And that whatever happened, I was fine with it because I just enjoyed the process. Okay. Yes, I just enjoyed the process. So whatever happened from it, I was completely at peace with. Okay. So so what that did was that it allowed me to identify that part about me. And then I said, okay, well, maybe, maybe I, it's not soccer, the actual activity of soccer that's allowing me – to contribute in a way that is being is beneficial to others maybe it's something else so when i realized that also sales was something that i was had a talent for Mm -hmm. then i said well maybe i did this and then anything that comes out of this is going to be natural and overflowing so that when i give i'm able to understand that there's value in that it's contributing you know and it was easier to talk about it and do it and I could give more. Okay. So it, it so what it did for my career is it allowed me to see that not only am I able to contribute as a person, but the marketplace, the marketplace that pays you, right? The marketplace yeah. that pays you matches with that talent or that, that passion and is willing to pay you for that thing.
0: Hmm.
1: Right? Like, yeah. your, you know, original question is, you know how did this did it, did it slow down or help your career path? Yeah, and I said it totally helped it. It totally helped it because I, but if you were just if I were just kind of go through motions, be a cog in a machine at some company and work up the ranks, well, I'd be working for someone else and not allow myself the time of day to think about that. Yeah, and do that.
0: No, and then what what got you to start your own company instead of going to go work for someone else?
1: Yeah, um, I think I think what allowed me to do that was my. Um, I think the ability to choose and the ability to be free. I think like when I, when I worked for somebody else, as much as I loved working for GPRS, I actually really look up to Matt Aston, the, the owner, and as a mentor.
0: Mm-hmm. So Ryan, what do you look for then in a mentor?
1: Yeah, so when I, when I think about a mentor, I don't think about someone that is a boss or someone I'm accountable to. I think it as kind of a... A friend or a person that I wish or I think that I could potentially be in the future. So I, I, I feel as though, kind of on that same vein of feeling free or the ability to choose, like a friend tour, a friend tour. See, there, friend there's tour. a new one.
0: Is that? Is that? Uh, did you just make that up right now? <laughs>
1: yeah, I just coined that. So it's actually trademarked. Um, Paris marketing.
0: <laughs> What's your next but, book going to be on? Friend tour. What?
1: Friend tour. <laughs> A friend to her. It sounds like a dinosaur or something. Right, but um, all right. Sorry, I'm easily distracted. But, uh, what, yeah, yeah. So when I look for a mentor, I think I'm looking for someone who I, I can actually, you know, speak freely with and kind of run ideas past and be a little bit more vulnerable and tell them my issues, and then that person is able to kind of provide me with guidance or direction in an area without judgment because they see the potential.
0: Okay. Now do you, this is one of those, I think it's kind of weird, like with mentors and people in life, do you ever have that? Like, Hey Ryan, will you be my mentor relationship? Or you just, is it more of like a friendship that develops where then it just happens to be mentorship, but it's never really like how the best was. You never have defining their relationship. Talk about it. That's a good question. I think, I think both can happen. Okay. I think you can have more organic
1: kind of natural mentors that you look up to, but I also think that you can seek, seek them out. Absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm actually, yeah. Mentoring. I would call it mentoring, you know, uh, somebody who is building their own business right now, who's newer and their business is actually more successful financially than ours currently, but he's, he's younger and he's trying to grow his business and seeking someone else who's actually been through some of the process and that would, to me, I would consider that a mentor. But he sought me out.
0: That's pretty cool. You know,
1: specifically, and I didn't know him prior.
0: Very cool. Very, I got, I got yeah. a few more quick questions for you. I know we're wrapping up here, as we're. I, I get sure. you're there on the Eastern Time Zone. It's probably if I was out there, it'd be past my bedtime. So.
1: <laughs> no um, worries. Normal day.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, so, with the, uh, you have a Christian background and like in the church. And with what you know in sales, like, I'm always trying to figure out, like, because this is my, if you call it my thesis, is that the church is usually the last to embrace technology, and despite just using it, and then also not only that, but, like, different methods or ideas that Mm -hmm. could be beneficial for, you know, growing the kingdom and, you know, and just reaching more people, or at least telling people the story of Christ, like, Mm. and so with what you've learned with starting your own company, whether between that and soccer, and, you know, in the marketing world, if you could, if you could add a room full of pastors, church planners, Christians, or I, hate to t- I guess the term influencer, um, yeah. what, what would you want to, t- what points would you want to get across to them?
1: Yeah, I would, I would say that, you know, in, in 2019, 2020, you know, uh, technology is a, is a tool. It's not an end in itself. And the reason why I think that is it's almost, you know, uh, you don't serve technology. Technology serves you. Mm -hmm. And it's that classic. You could use the same thing with money. You know, um, money is a good servant, but a bad master, the same thing with technology in a lot of ways, because you don't want to focus on the technology. You want to focus on the message that it's portraying. And it's the same thing in sales. we, I tell our team, anytime, any person that comes through our team, we tell them, we go have them go through this session that's called the purpose of a cold call. And the ultimate purpose of a cold call or a sales development conversation is to build trust with the prospect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And trust, trust is the, the essence of any relationship. You know, So mm-hmm. if you're using technology, you, know, you, you should be utilizing it in a way that casts your message in a positive light to them. Whatever that is, you know, so for a Christian church, you know, and, uh, um, you know, the followers of Christ, those those people should be, that is the main goal. So whatever tool you're using within technology should be meant to broadcast that in a way that's impactful. And just like in sales, our job is to build trust to then talk about a product that could potentially help them. Mm
0: Mm-hmm no you know, i like that because
1: Just... if it's the opposite yeah if it's the opposite rob then the the end goal is something else whether it's more likes you know more notoriety more pride a better uh month of sales at the end of the at the end of the month or or what have you at the end of the quarter hmm. and and that is the wrong aim because then it's about you it's about pride it's about arrogance it's about yourself and not about something bigger than yourself
0: hmm. yeah, i like that with developing trust because it's that like you said it's that first step where you know one's going to talk to you about it un- you know unless they trust they have they trust the source enough
1: mm. yes
0: no very good all right one more question here for before i let you go um this is more of a personal question sure since I am getting married in um, I should know the time, like, but 260-ish days according to the website. What? A, yeah. So, even though this is weird, asking someone that I, I used to ride the bus with and was told <laughs> on by their parents to keep an eye out on, just to make sure everything you know they're awesome. okay, right? Is going.
1: Uh, I didn't know that. I never knew that.
0: Did I? I Cause didn't I, I think I watched Maybe. you guys once. I, I hate to call it like a babysitter cause I think you guys were old enough to really, i was just making sure you guys didn't burn the house down. I just stood around with a fire okay. extinguisher. I don't think I, <laughs> that was really what it was.
1: Okay. I think I do kind of remember that actually. Okay.
0: Cause I, I wasn't, like I said, I mean, you guys weren't hard kids to watch. It was just like, Hey, just don't, I, I knew how to use the phone to call for an emergency. That's really what it was. <laughs> so, okay. That's but, awesome. But, but like, yeah relationship marriage advice coming from asking the younger guy now. Wow. What would, what would you throw at me? Like, yeah, yeah. Cause so, this is my best sale I've ever made by the way. When I proposed, I'm like, and she said, yes, <laughs> I shut up. I was like, I'm not talking myself out of this sale. This is,
1: that's hilarious. That's so ironic. Cause I haven't, I haven't gotten that sale yet. I haven't, I haven't asked for that, that deal.
0: Oh, do you have, oh, it's, I mean, I don't know. But, your, I don't know your relationship with her. But let me tell you, this well, is a fun process.
1: <laughs> well, I can say that in sales, you know, the uh, the closing starts with before the first time you ever meet the person.
0: Right. See, that's the <laughs> spoken. That's a nugget of wisdom right there.
1: There you go. So I'm still working on that. Okay. I would say though, it's you know, it's it's interesting because. As I have a girlfriend and and we've been together for a few years and, you know, we're, we're growing and I think I, my piece of wisdom, I think is just because you get married, doesn't mean your relationship is magically, you know, better. I think it's constantly improving. And I think if that's the goal is we're, you know, my girlfriend and I, we're both aware kind of where we're, where we're growing and where we need to, to grow more. Mm-hmm. And I think that that allows a more grace to be had. Ah, it allows more grace to be had, which allows more patience, which then in turn allows us to love each other better.
0: I like it. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, is that is that good? Is it's, that all right? It's
0: great. No. <laughs> no, because no, I'm always curious so. what other people think about that. You know, because you know, uncharted territories. But you know. I'm trying to enjoy the yeah. process. You know, you know how it goes.
1: There it is. You know, and out here in Philadelphia, that's one of our catchphrases. You know that, right? Trust the process.
0: Trust the process. Is is that a Philadelphia thing, or is that a the, a Ryan yeah, Paris thing?
1: Sixers. No. Oh, Se- the tr- Sixers. Philadelphia seventy-sixers.
0: See, that's what I can say. I did for years. Is I just tanked my relationships for years to get the best one. <laughs> See. See. Yeah. There you go. Right. Trust the. process. And now it continues. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she would not. She
0: would not get that joke or uh, comment or analogy, however you want to put it. But it's. I she, like. She it, will though. one day. She will. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let me explain to you how the NBA draft works. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So. No. One day. Right. Well, Ryan, I appreciate the time. Um, anything else you want to say before I let you go?
1: No, man. I I just hope one day that you know we can, we can be. Uh, bus bus riding buddies again and, and have right. great rate conversations you right. know on a daily basis right so i'm working towards that
0: if you, if you ever make it out to denver let me know you have a couch to sleep on and if it's after the wedding <laughs> i may have a spare bedroom
1: thank you very much i, I will definitely make sure you remember that because i will remember that
0: i i will i won't forget and plus <laughs> like there's plenty of places to go hike and do things out here so there's, what I Love you know what, one of the best things about Denver I think why people like it is there's a lot of stuff to do that once you have the gear it's kind of cheap to go do.
1: That's awesome, right? A lot of natural play, yeah. play time, play areas, absolutely to do. So and the, you know what the plane tickets aren't so bad either actually because Denver's such a big airport.
0: Yeah, no, it's just as long as you get past the one world government world headquarters airport, you're fine.
1: All right, man. Have you well, heard, oh, have you I'll heard make those, sure I do that.
0: Have you heard the rumors about the airport?
1: I, not really.
0: Oh, would you? If you get a chance, wait, like if you're at work and you're on a call you don't want to be on, just okay. start Google like a DIA, you know, One World Government, or you know, uh, all those conspiracy theories. Oh, it's incredible what you'll find. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'll do it right now. So yeah, no, it'll be fun. You won't you won't believe what awesome. you find. It's amazing what people come up with. They actually market towards that when they're doing construction. It's funny. Weird.
1: It sounds like a some kind of a dystopian movie or something like that.
0: Yeah. Tell you what. I'll send so. you. I'm going to the airport tomorrow. I'm flying to Phoenix. I will take a oh, picture. Cool. Of some if I can. If I if I see him there, where we're by our terminal, I'll take some pictures of those. Just like how they market like the conspiracy theories in their construction, and send them to you. you might appreciate it. Wow. Please please so uh, you can hit me up on facebook i'm always looking for some of that right so So. uh, once again ryan thanks i know it's getting late so i appreciate it i'll send you a link when this is posted
1: sounds great thanks rob great Uh, talking to you
0: all right good talking to you too all
1: right bye-bye